Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. Before we jump in, uh, I'd love for you to turn to a neighbor or two and just say good morning and welcome. I think the caffeine hit because you guys are a little bit more lively this morning, which is great. Well, hey, my name is Rasika. I'm the office manager and youth director here at the church, and I'm also a pastoral student. And I have the honor and privilege to bring the message to you this morning. Uh, Before we jump in, I wanted just to introduce myself a little bit because I feel like we have so many new faces in the church family. And I feel like sometimes uh, church family doesn't always know the staff. So I'm going to give you three quick little fun facts or just little life updates with me. So uh, first, I got married a month ago today. Thank you. Thank you. My husband is sitting back here in the corner. I called him out for a service and he does not like that. So you can go see him. You won't miss him. He's really tall, as you can tell there. Uh, Second, I am a big fan of naps. How many people in the room love a good Sunday afternoon nap? Yes, I believe they are holy. They are good. And that is me after I eat lunch on Sundays. So if I don't respond to messages, it's because of that. And it's actually funny because the staff often jokes that I sleep all the time. Like, they'll text me and be like, you didn't respond. And I said, well, I was sleeping because why wouldn't I be? They're, they're great. Uh, third, I have three adorable, we have three adorable dogs. I have to change the, the verbiage on that. I need to say we, because we own three adorable furry dogs and we love to uh, hang out with them and they like all the treats that we give them. So, <laughs> Uh, Well, hey, this morning we're jumping into Mark chapter 11. If you've been with us in our Mark series this summer, then you'll know exactly where we are. Uh, If you're new this morning, welcome again. And uh, we want to encourage you to go check uh, the previous Mark messages. You can find those on YouTube, on our Radiant Life Church page, or on our website. And those QR codes are on the back of the chairs. Uh, Before we jump into the actual message this morning, I want to lay down two um, very important statements before we jump into the message. And the first important statement is that context matters. Can you say context matters? Yes, context matters in this story. Because the second statement that I'm going to have you repeat back to me is that this was calculated. Can you say this was calculated? Great. So a lot of you are uh, flipping to that story into uh, Mark 11, verses 15 through 19, and you're going to read that the title of the story is called Jesus Cleanses the Temple. And maybe some of you have read this story and you know that Jesus flips the table. But again, context matters, and it was calculated. Now, a lot of people think... Uh, I think I've seen on Facebook a few times, there's a meme that talks about, well, you know, if you're angry, just flip a table. That's what Jesus did. Um, Jesus did flip the table, but it wasn't out of a temper tantrum. Um, You can still flip tables. Like, that's not just what Jesus did, and he can only do it. Like, you could could do that today. Um, You probably won't be invited to a lot of dinner parties. Uh, And definitely not invited to Thanksgiving. I think if you're a table flipper, I'd probably try to save the mashed potatoes before you get into the room. But Jesus didn't just flip the table out of a temper tantrum. Um, How many of you know little kids or had little kids who just threw temper tantrums? I mean, they need naps and there's a reason they say terrible twos. Um, (laughs) But Jesus didn't just do this just to flip a table. It was calculated. And we actually are going to read just, I'm going to go back a little bit. I know that you're not in this section, but in uh, verse 11 of chapter 11, verse 11 of chapter 11 in Mark, it says, he went into Jerusalem and into the temple. After looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. So Jesus has already gone into the temple 
the day before this story is actually taking place. So he's already seeing what's happening, but we'll jump right into scripture with verse 15, which states, they came to Jerusalem and he went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. Now remember just a few minutes ago, we said that context was important. Okay, we're gonna jump into some context this morning and we're gonna um, dig into the where, when, and why of this story. So where is the story taking place? The story is actually taking place in the temple. The temple was on top of the mountain and you can see the smaller houses below. Um, uh, This is actually not a legit picture of the temple. I don't know if you know that, but this is just a mock-up. So we're gonna have to imagine here, but we're gonna dissect some of the areas that the temple had and where people were welcome to go and where they were not welcome to go. So first, it's important to know that the court of Gentiles was the outer court of the temple. This is uh, where our story is actually going to take place. And the court of Gentiles was for Jew and Gentile to meet together. It was kind of the central hub of where everything was happening. And Gentiles were welcome to go into the court of Gentiles, but they were not welcome to go further. There were signs on, um, on walls stating that if Gentiles went any further into the temple, they were subject to death. So Only Gentiles were welcome in the court of Gentiles. Jewish people, however, could go in further. Next, we have the women's court, and this is where Jewish women only were allowed to come in, and they were allowed to bring in their offerings and their sacrifices, but Gentile women were not welcome in this area. Then we have the priest's court, where the priests went to bring their offerings and their sacrifices. And then we have the holy place, where the Ark of the Covenant, or God's presence, reside. Now, People would come to the temple for many reasons, but there were two feasts and holidays, and one of the feasts and holidays that we're going to focus on is called Yom Kippur. Can you say Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur. Kippur. That is the day of atonement or the day of forgiveness, and many people would travel very far or very short distances to come to the temple to celebrate the day of atonement or the day of forgiveness. So they're bringing their offerings, their sacrifices to the temple, and then the high priest is going to go in on the behalf of the people behind the um, veil in the holy place where the Ark of the Covenant is, where God's presence resides. It's important to note, and here's some fun facts for you about the high priest. So first, like I said, he's going in on the behalf of all of the people there, but he's also having to make sure that he is holy himself. So he's going through rituals and routines and he's making sure that he himself is holy enough to be in the presence of God. So because the people wanted to make sure that this was done correctly, they would actually tie a rope with bells around his ankle because they were not welcome in the holy place. So when they would send the high priest in, he would go behind the veil, offer his offerings and sacrifices to God's presence and ask for forgiveness on behalf of his people. And as long as the bells were jingling, the people outside of the holy place knew that the high priest was okay. But if they stopped jingling, they knew something went wrong and they would drag out his lifeless body. So they wanted to make sure that they actually, that the high priest did what he needed to do correctly in order to make sure that the day of atonement was successful, that forgiveness was um, a success. So like I said this morning, our story uh, is gonna take place in the court of Gentiles there. And we read that Jesus went into the temple the day before our story actually took place. But what was Jesus seeing in the temple? Jesus would have seen a marketplace similar to this. Now, this is actually modern-day Jerusalem here, and uh, Jesus probably wouldn't have seen the Hello Kitty shirts hanging up. 
but I don't know. Maybe it was a thing back then. Who knows? But Jesus would have seen uh, many people. He would have heard noises of the market, um, lots of commotion happening here in the temple. Jesus also would have um, seen money exchangers. Now, money exchangers uh, knew how to take advantage of people. So I have some fun little coins up here, but money exchangers uh, would have the temple coin, which everyone needed. And if you're traveling from a far distance, you're probably bringing your own currency from your own land. However, money exchangers wanted to line their pockets a little bit more, so they would require you to spend two to three times more in order to get this coin. They knew how to take advantage of people who were coming in who were genuinely trying to worship. Jesus also would have seen animals. Now, like I said, people were traveling near and far, and some people were traveling four hours. Some people were probably traveling four, five, six, maybe even up to 10 days to get to the temple to celebrate this holiday. So Jesus would have seen lots of animals, people bringing their animals to the temple for sacrifice. Back in Leviticus, it states that you had to bring a spotless animal for sacrifice or else it didn't count. So some people probably brought their goats and their sheep. And I don't know how many of you know about sheep, but they're not the smartest animal. So I can only imagine having to trek a sheep 10 days across land to the temple. It probably wasn't fun. However, when the people would bring their own sacrifices, they would meet a temple inspector. Nine times out of 10, sometimes 10 times out of 10, the temple inspector would find something wrong with their sacrifice that they brought. So the solution was that people would have to buy the temple animals that were pre-approved. Now, doves, we're gonna read about in this story here, doves were the cheapest sacrifice in the temple. And if you were to put it to today's currency, it would be about $10 for a pair of doves. Um, Again, though, temple uh, authorities and um, officiants, they knew how to take advantage of the system. And so instead of $10 for most people, they would charge it up 15 to 16 times more than what it was worth. So instead of $10, you're now spending $150, maybe even $160 for a pair of birds. But again, you're coming because you only get to come to the temple for the Day of Atonement once a year, and you're gonna make sure that you do it right because this is the way that you receive forgiveness. They had to do all of these routines and these rituals, bring these offerings and their sacrifices to the temple for forgiveness because Jesus had not yet died on the cross for their sins. It's not what we know today. And so Jesus, he sees all of this happening. He sees his people coming in, trying to worship his father in his father's house. What should be a house of prayer and should be a house of worship is now turned into something that is not. People are being exploited. People are being taken advantage of. People are um, hungry for greed and they're hungry for money. And this is not what Jesus in his father's house is meant to be. And we read in scripture that he overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Jesus' response to what was happening in his father's house was calculated. It was holy, righteous anger. And he could not put up with it anymore that he flipped the tables. No more. This was not what the house of God was supposed to be. Jesus said, no more. My father's house is meant to be a place for all nations. He continued by saying, scripture continues by saying, he would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. He was teaching them, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it into a den of thieves. 
the chief priests and scribes heard it and started looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. Whenever evening came, they would go out of the city. We read that story and we see that people were being exploited, that they were being taken advantage of because they were just trying to come and worship in the father's house. And we can say, that's unfortunate. That's such a bummer that that took place. But can I tell you, I think that still takes place today. I think that, th- that we exploit the house of God. I think that there are ways that we exploit the house of God. And I believe that's through making the house of God a social setting. I believe it's easy just to come into a church, not just here at Radiant Life, but a big church, a small church, and use it as a social setting. Come in and talk to people, get your cup of coffee, talk to more people, sit down, listen to the message, and then you leave and the message has fallen on, on hard hearts and, and it's just, it's just that. It's just a message. You don't take it, you don't apply it. I believe that we use the church to elevate our connections. It's really easy to say, oh, I go to this church or I, I go to that church. Are we exploiting the house of God for our own personal gain? What about through obligation? Like we sang this morning, Sunday morning faith. Is that what we have as a Sunday morning faith? We come here because it's our mother's faith? Because that's what mom told us to do or dad told us to do? Teens, I'm gonna call you out right now. At some point, you're gonna have to own your faith because we're all gonna stand in front of God one day. Are we gonna say, I went to church because that's just what I was supposed to do? Or are we gonna say, I went to church because I was hungry for the word of God? I was hungry for biblical community. I was hungry and wanting and I just wanted to be in the presence of God in his house. Or is it out of obligation? This morning we're gonna go through some prayer prompts. We're gonna pray individually, we're gonna pray as groups, and I know that it's gonna stretch some people to get into groups, but I wanna just encourage you that through your obedience, the Lord will bless. Maybe bless your time here today, or maybe you'll see the fruits of it later on, but he will bless your obedience. You see, people came to the, to the temple to worship. It wasn't a, a fake worship like the temple authorities tried to make it. They were there for genuine worship, and they were withheld from that. Not everyone got to go in and be a part of the genuine worship that should have been, but genuine worship invites people in. So this morning, we're gonna take time to just work on the spiritual discipline, which is prayer. And we're gonna lower the lights, and the prayer team is actually gonna come down up front. This first prayer prompt will be just you in your seat. Or if you need to move and pray pray with the prayer team or come to the altar, I wanna invite you to do that. You can move around if you need to. But we're gonna just spend some time asking for forgiveness. Maybe you've extorted, you've exploited the house of God. Maybe you've used the house of God for a social setting or to elevate your connections. Maybe just out of obligation that you're just here, you just keep showing up. But you wanna ask the Lord to forgive you and you want that deep well of intimacy with our Father. If you ask for forgiveness, he will forgive. As far as the east is from the west. Maybe you came in this morning and you didn't treat your spouse the nicest or maybe your kids. Maybe you just need to ask the Lord to forgive you and just to soften your heart. Spend the next few moments asking for the Lord to forgive you. This next prayer prompt that we're gonna be doing is a group. 
So I want to encourage you to gather around two, three, four, even five people that you're sitting around. In this next prayer prompt, we're going to um, reflect. Oh, my clicker's not on. We're going to spend some time reflecting with a grateful heart. Like Karen said this morning as she led that last song, what has the Lord done for you? What is he doing in your life? How have you seen the goodness of God? I believe there's power and testimony and, and through encouragement, the Lord will use, use that. And so right now in your uh, spots, I'd like to just encourage you to get up and, and spend the next few moments reflecting with a grateful heart. You can stay in those groups that you're with, or if you're feeling that holy boldness to reach out to new faces, I want to encourage you to do that. But this last prayer prompt is just us going to, as we're going to spend some time in a group, just asking the Holy Spirit to ignite a fire for prayer in our lives. Maybe this is the first time that you've prayed in a group or even out loud, or maybe you're used to it, but you're just asking that the Holy Spirit relight that fire. The beautiful thing about prayer is it doesn't have to be this extraordinary thing. It's just a simple conversation between us and our heavenly father. And Jesus made the way for that. And so the next few moments, we're just going to spend time on this prayer prompt within the group settings. This morning, we, we learned about the story of Jesus cleansing the temple and, and what everyone had to do in order to receive forgiveness. And we, we heard about the routines and the rituals, the offerings and the sacrifices. But we don't have to do that anymore. And praise the Lord for that because Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice. He went to the cross for our sins. He forgave us. And through that, we receive freedom and healing and hope. And there's victory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.